He is risen, amen? Come on, let's be excited. Man, we serve the one true living God, amen? Welcome home, church. Man, I am so glad you guys are here, and happy Resurrection Day to all of you. This morning begins week two of my message called Upper Room. Um, I'm in a series right now that really focuses on what happened in the upper room, and it's believed that there were three things that happened in the upper room. The first thing that we talked about last Sunday was the Last Supper and how God, through Jesus, revealed the plan of God very clearly for all of us to be able to see, even now as we read the Bible. John chapter 13, 14, 15, Jesus lays it all out. And what we learned about God's plan in the upper room during the Last Supper was that God wants oneness with all of us. He wants oneness with us. And I think that's awesome how God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit comes and makes their home in us and we become one with them. That was the original plan. That was why the garden was created for Adam and Eve, was to experience God in relationship. And this week, we're going to focus on the resurrection, obviously, right? Amen? We're going to focus on the resurrection and how Jesus appeared to his disciples in the upper room. That's the second thing that happened. And then next week, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but next week, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit filled the 120 disciples that were in the upper room on Pentecost. And so I'm really excited about what God has for you today in his word. If you will, turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to actually start there this morning. And I know some of you are thinking, as I read through this, you'll probably be thinking, Pastor Jeff, you got your, your seasons mixed up, man. This is not Christmas. This is Easter. Well, yes, you're right. But I want to start here because Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus was born, prophesied all these things were going to happen. And Jesus fulfilled all of them, except there's one little part of it we're going to get into this morning that he didn't fulfill yet. And he's about to. So in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, this is where I'm going to begin. For us, a child is born. There's your Christmas. Born of the Virgin Mary. Jesus, born into this world, he became flesh so that he could walk among us, a perfect life, walked on this earth for 33 years, never sinned, and we get to this point, to us a son is given. There is Easter right there. Jesus given to us by God the Father to be the sacrifice on the cross for our sins, then to be buried, and three days later be resurrected. For us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. That's what we're waiting for. This is where we are right now. Between a son is given and the government will be on upon his shoulders, we're in that age of grace right now. This is where we're at, and this is part of the reason why we should be excited. Yes, he is risen. He is alive, and he is coming back to establish his government on this world. It says here, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. And I love that. Jesus is synonymous to Wonderful Counselor. The smartest man on this planet could not compare to the wisdom of Jesus. I don't care if you're Elon Musk. I don't care if you work for Elon Musk and you're sending rockets to the moon and rockets to Mars. You're producing Teslas and Cybertrucks and all that good stuff. Your wisdom cannot compare to the resurrected Jesus. He's also known as mighty God. He is 
more mightier than Arnold Schwarzenegger. Matter of fact, Jesus is the one that coined the phrase, I'll be back. Amen. <laughs> Mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. And today, what I want to focus on is the Prince of Peace. He is the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. I don't care if you're the British Empire. I don't care if you're the United States. I don't care if you were the Roman Empire. All these human empires did not last. The U.S. is still here, but when Jesus comes back, he's going to establish his government and his kingdom will have no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. True justice, true righteousness. That's what Jesus will bring to his government on this world. And I love this because he promised this to King David centuries ago. And he's going to fulfill that promise. That's who God is. And this last line in verse 7 says, The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Amen. That zeal, that zeal sent Jesus. That zeal put him in the ground. That zeal resurrected him. That zeal will return him here to establish his government. I love that. That means he's pursuing all of us. That's the zeal of Jesus. Every one of us, despite how big he is, despite the government that's going to be on his shoulders, despite the kingdom he's going to place on this earth, despite who he is, he looks at every one of us with equal importance. He cares about every one of us. He is no respecter of persons. He desires all men to be saved, to be included in this plan of salvation. John chapter 14. I mentioned this last Sunday, but I want to mention it again. Because the Prince of Peace said this to his disciples, and he's saying this to you right now. Verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, and neither let them be afraid. And friends, we live in a scary world right now. There are things that are happening all the time. It's like every day there is something in the news. There is a reason to be afraid. And what Jesus is saying here is I want you to have my peace. You know, that peace that surpasses all understanding. I want you to have that. And it's not something that you and I can drum up on our own. Because despite what's happening... The world is still creating anxiety, creating stress, creating fear. And we can absorb that and we can experience that. But then something in our mind and our heart switches to that peace that surpasses all understanding. The peace that is given to us by Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Because he's alive today, he's still giving that peace to us. It's a matter of whether or not we receive it. Can I get an Amen. And that's not easy to do, is it? Everything that we turn the TV on and see is fear-based. The world is all about fear. The devil is all about fear. But the Prince of Peace, Jesus, is saying, here's my peace. I give it to you. Now it's your responsibility to take it. Amen. Amen. With that, let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you for everybody that's here. 
Father, I just thank you right now that your peace is upon us. I'm asking that all the stresses and anxieties and everything that we have in our minds right now that's creating us to be distracted, that we leave it at your feet at this moment. Help us to open our hearts this morning to receive from you your peace and your word that gives us that peace. That is Jesus. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've been to a number of funerals in my lifetime. And praise God for the funerals of believers because it's never goodbye, it's a see you later. All right? And there's been some that have been very difficult for me. Uh, one in particular was my mom's funeral. And, and it was not easy to, to attend that. Not only that, but they wanted me to be a part of it. They wanted me to do the eulogy, and that was, that was difficult for me. But the one thing that I, that I have to do is the fact that, that my mom, I know my mom's in heaven. Like, I have no doubt that she's in heaven. Because I remember when she received Jesus. I remember seeing her accept him. And I knew it was genuine. And the thing is, 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 is I'm saying to you is I, I can have that peace that says that I'm going to see her again one day. And I have no doubt about that. My grandfather too. I have witnessed him accept Jesus. You know, I, I have this peace. And it's that peace that Jesus gives that I'm going to see them again. The thing is, is I don't know how many years down the road that's going to be. Either Jesus is going to come back and I'm going to be raptured and I'll see them, right? Or I'm going to die one day and then I will see them as I'm absent from the body to be present with the Lord. Amen. It could be decades for all I know because I'm still a young 50, okay? So I got plenty of time, right? <laughs> Hopefully. Jesus also had a funeral 2,000 years ago. I'm going to read about that right now. John chapter 19, verse 38. This is what John writes. He says, After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took away his body. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds in weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. Verse 42, so because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. This was a very short funeral. And the disciples had run away from Jesus at the point where he was going to be crucified, they are going to, we're going to find here in a minute that they hid themselves afterwards. They were confused. They were mourning. They didn't know what was going on. But this was going to be the shortest period of mourning ever. Amen. Like I told you, it probably will be decades before I see my mom again in heaven. But with these disciples, it was three days. And there he is. And I love the account of how John writes it where Mary Magdalene comes on the morning of his resurrection to see how Jesus is doing. And Jesus appears to her in his resurrected body. Hi, I'm here, Mary. I'm back. 
And there he is. And they're having this moment together. And he calls her name. And she's like, Jesus, it's you, Lord, Master. It's you. I believe she was probably the first one to be saved. That is awesome. And she's so excited to see Jesus that she runs to go get Peter and John. And Peter and John race back to see for themselves. But they don't yet really understand what's going on. And then they run back to their lives. They go back to doing what they've done before they were walking with Jesus. And eventually find themselves again in the upper room. Locked behind the door. The Bible says they were afraid. Why were they afraid? They were afraid because of what was going on around them and because they didn't yet know that Jesus is resurrected. There was fear instead of peace. How many of us today are in fear right now? We're not experiencing that peace. Like I can relate to these disciples. I understand what it means to be afraid to be anxious, to worry about stuff. I totally get it. So this is where we find ourselves in John chapter 20. And this is where I'm going to be for a lot this morning if you want to turn there. John chapter 20, verse 19, it says this, On the evening of that day, everybody say that day. The first day of the week, that would be Sunday night. This is the night after Jesus resurrected. The doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Listen, I don't know about you all, but if I followed Jesus and I saw him get crucified and I ran away because I was scared and now I'm wondering if the Jewish people were going to come after me and I locked myself in a room, I'm already on a 10, one out of 10 in fear, right? And all of a sudden, I'm standing there in fear, and poof, there's Jesus standing right there in the midst of us. Whoa! Now I'm really kind of afraid, right? Like, what is happening here? And then he says, peace be with you. How many of us are behind a locked door right now, afraid? What is it that you're keeping locked away in your hearts that is making you afraid in the days that we live in right now. That's making you afraid to leave your house. Like this was the first church lock-in right here that we're seeing. And it wasn't because they were looking to have fun. Man, we lock things up inside sometimes, don't we? It's like that COVID-19 kind of locked up fear. We don't want to come out. And what Jesus is saying today is, peace be with you. Just like he said to his disciples. Receive that peace that I'm giving to you. John chapter 20, verse 20. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. He was showing them proof. Look. Here's the hole in my side. Here's the holes in my hands. Look, this is me in the flesh to the point where you can touch me too. This wasn't 
just his spirit. This was his whole self, body, mind, soul, spirit. The body thing needs to be emphasized because he's resurrected. And they're seeing this with their own eyes. And see, we're sitting in here today on a Sunday, 2,000 years later, and we have never seen. Yet I believe, hopefully most of us, if not all of us in here, believe, amen. But they had to see. And that fear all of a sudden was transferred to peace because of faith in what they're seeing with Jesus. The peace of God does not come from us. That peace is going to come from Jesus. So Jesus said to them, again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Peace be with you because I am going to send you out. Every time you leave this church, every time you leave your home, you are being sent out. Like how many of you are consciously aware of that on a daily basis? Consciously aware of that. We have a responsibility to be the church, amen? Amen. This in here is church, yes. But the church is you, the flesh and blood that believe in Jesus, that are living your life in the mission field that God has called you to, that's very uniquely yours because you're in a place of work, you're in school, you're in places where I can't be, but because Jesus lives in you, he can be. He's going everywhere. You're the light in the darkness. We have this responsibility, and Jesus is saying, you're going to need that peace, that assurance that I am alive, that assurance that I live in you, that assurance that you are one with me and the Father, in order to be able to do the work that I'm sending you out to do. And that's amazing to me. We need to have that peace because we have work to do. Verse 23, he says, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. What he's saying here is the gospel, the message about me, is about grace and forgiveness. You can't withhold that forgiveness. You need to spread that forgiveness to other people. They need to understand it's not because of what they've done. It's not about who they are. That this grace extends to them as well, and God will forgive them. All you have to do is repent and accept Jesus by faith. Amen? And we've got to get this out. We can't withhold it from them. We've got to do that. And that's why we need the peace that Jesus can give. Verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and under and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. There is so many people in this world that need the proof. They're unwilling to receive by faith. They need to see to believe. 
It's just like the Jewish people of the day wanting to see miracle signs and wonders. Even then, they saw the miracle signs and wonders, and still some of them did not believe. How many people are like Thomas today? And they're depending on us, the witnesses of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to be able to tell them. He says, I will never believe. How many of you are in here right now that you're saying that? Maybe you're in here this morning and you're saying, I need to see to believe. I'm like, I'm like giving God, if he's there, this chance right now because I want to come to church and I want to experience him if he's really alive. And if that's you today, praise God, I believe you're experiencing the life of Jesus right now, the peace of Jesus right now. And you want to receive him. I'm believing that. The good news is that Jesus is pursuing you right now. Because here's what's going to happen in verse 26. Eight days later, eight days later, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus is pursuing you this morning. He's pursuing you every day. Like Thomas was one of the hundred that left. Jesus pursued the one that basically said, I need to see to believe. He made a way for Thomas to receive. And I believe this morning, at this critical time in your life, where there's a lot of fear in this world, I believe he's showing himself to you right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's saying to you, do not disbelieve, but believe. But believe. He wants you to believe. And I feel it. Like I said earlier, I feel the same fears and stresses and anxieties I think that most of us in here feel. Like I would not be here today and I would not be standing definitely on this platform if it was not for Jesus getting hold of my heart and living inside of me. It would not be, it would not be what it is now if I didn't have him. And even now, I still experience stress and anxiety at times. But then I have to make the decision to switch from that to who I am in Christ. And that is to receive his peace. As he says, peace be with you. Verse 29, Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. How many of us are blessed this morning? We believe, yet we have not seen. Although, you know what, we have, amen? We see God move. We see him move powerfully in this church. And I believe if you've been a believer for a long time or a short time, you've seen him move in your life. That promotion on your job wasn't an accident. That financial blessing that came to you was not an accident. That healing that happened to you that wasn't supposed to happen was not an accident. 
That feeling that you feel sometimes when you worship God, not that it's about a feeling, okay? It's not about a feeling, but sometimes you can feel his presence so powerfully that you just start to weep. We've experienced him. We might not have seen him physically, but we've experienced Jesus. Every bright sunrise you see, every awesome sunset you see, every time you see something beautiful in his creation, there he is. Because he shows himself through his creation, amen. It's not like God is just leaving you here just to have blind faith. He's showing you himself every day. The question is, are you looking? Are you looking for his peace? Or are you looking to remain, to be locked up in your fear? Because sometimes, and I've said this before, sometimes it's more comfortable just to be locked in a room in your fear rather than to extend yourself by faith. The main point today is this. The upper room represents the peace of God given to us by faith in the finished work of the Prince of Peace. That's Jesus. That's the peace of God. That's the peace that we need to receive this morning, whether we're believer or unbeliever. Could everybody please stand? Right now, we're in this age of grace. We're waiting for him to come back. And as a church, we believe that we're going to be raptured, amen? And when that happens, after that happens, at some point, he's going to come back and establish his government on this earth. And we get to take part in that as the church. We will be a part of what he's establishing And there's excitement about that. And I know we're really excited about his return. We're really excited about being a part of his kingdom. We're really excited about that eternal life that's a little bit down the road. But we have eternal life right now. We can experience him right now. That's part of what he's saying in the upper room. Is now that we're one together, if you're a believer in Jesus, now that we're one together, now you can experience heaven on earth. You can listen and hear from him. You can talk to him. You can commune with him. You have union with him. You have relationship with him. You can walk with him in the cool of the garden. You can experience his resurrection power. And as we're going to learn next week, you can experience the Holy Spirit power upon you to be used to do his work and to be witnesses for Jesus in this world. We have so much to look forward to right now. And I believe we're in the greatest age of the church ever because we're near the end. And if you can't see that and can't get excited about that, then is there life in you? Come on. It's almost like the bad news is good news to me because the more bad news means that we're getting closer to God fulfilling his promise that he gave to King David. Amen. Come on. There's no need to be afraid anymore. What what can man do to me? What can the devil do to me? Today resembles the fact that the devil has been defeated, amen. He's done. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of him messing with my mind and my emotions. It's a matter of saying, no, that's not who I am. I'm a new creation in Christ. I walk in his authority. I have his power. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead quickens my mortal body. These are things that we forget sometimes. 
we remember we have them here, but sometimes we forget because we replace them not with the peace of God that he has given us through Jesus, but the fear of the world. And I'm tired of what the world is telling me. Oh my gosh, I'm so tired of it. And that is why we have the privilege and the honor to open the Bible and know Jesus through his word. His resurrection gave us that opportunity. His resurrection gave us the opportunity to receive the Holy Spirit. Infilling of the Holy Spirit is not just once. You can get him multiple times. And I don't know about you, but a fresh infilling would be really good right now. Amen? So what we're going to do is we're going to take communion. And then after that, we're going to worship. And we're going to have a party in here because we have a lot to celebrate. So I do want to hear you all get excited because if you can't get excited now, I don't know what we're going to do between now and next Easter. <laughs> so the elements, if you need some, the ushers have some in baskets. You can come and receive. If you haven't gotten one when you came in the door, haven't gotten one. These are a little new. I just opened the wrong side. There we go. All right. We're good. Nope, we're good. So in the upper room, man, I love Jesus because what he wanted to do was to spend his final moments with his best friends. And we are his best friends right now. We have a seat at his table. And what he's saying, what he said that night, was to take the bread, all of you, and eat. This is my body that is freely given up for you. And when you take the bread, he said, do this in remembrance of me. Remember what I've done for you. That's communion. It's receiving what he has done for us and being one with him. So as we take the bread this morning, remember what he did for us on Good Friday. Remember that he gave up his body for us. Let's go ahead and take the bread together. And just when you thought that was it, he grabbed the wine and he said, this cup that I'm holding represents the new covenant. The new covenant is the blood that I will spill out for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Let that sit for a minute. Your sin, past, present, future, covered by his blood. Come on. Man, that's why it's not about you. It's all about him. That's why that peace is not about you. It's all about him. That's why your eternal life that you have through him is all about him and not about what you've done. What he's saying at this communion, this last supper, was it's all about what I've done is the reason why you have this new covenant. So as you're drinking this, if there's anything that you have done sinful, take this opportunity on this Easter Sunday and repent of it. First, one, first John 1 John 1.9 says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. There is that recognition that even as a believer, I still mess up and I still need to ask in recognition of the fact that I have sinned against God, ask him, 
to forgive us. So let's take a minute. Let's do that before we take the cup. Let's go ahead and take the cup. Father, we thank you so much for what you have done for us through Jesus. We thank you for this opportunity to share in your communion. We thank you, Lord, that you are with us and that if we're in Christ, you've made your home in us. And Father, we just thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his sacrifice on the cross. And man, we give you glory, honor, and praise for his resurrection, that through him and only him do we have your peace and we have eternal life. And we just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.